0: Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, rewards. And this reward that uh, God is protecting for us that is uh, our salvation. That those of us who have said yes to following Jesus with our lives, are or our everyday lives, we have begun, we have been born again, we have begun an eternal life. And part of that eternal life is this salvation that scripture promises will be revealed to us, this eternal salvation. Now, I don't know how you respond to the word reward, but when I hear the word reward... I I feel like now I've got something to work towards, right? I've got something to earn. Like there is this reward out there, this carrot that I now need to go after. So I need to make sure that I do all of this good, hard work to go earn that reward. And in fact, I might actually feel better if the reward has to be earned then if it's just given to me. Because if it's just given to me, now I feel like I owe somebody something, but if I've earned it, now I know it's supposed to be mine and you can't take it away from me and it's mine and I earned it and I deserve it. And I like the idea of deserving things and and earning them. And we can get this uh, in our head about this reward that God has for us his love, his salvation, his grace for us, that we have to earn it. And then uh, we come across uh, verses like, like this one in First in Peter. This is First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old way of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Okay, so all you have to do to earn this reward is be holy and perfect. Easy enough. (laughs) So this would be the point when I'm really grateful (laughs) that we don't have to earn this reward, that we don't have to earn God's love and attention. We don't have to earn his grace and salvation, that that because of grace, because God really loves us, as we just sang about, his grace and love are given freely, freely. So then why would God say, why would Peter write, you have to obey? You're supposed to be holy. Why does God command us to be obedient? If he's got enough grace for us, cover all of our disobedience, why, why would we need to be obedient? Okay, parents, you've ever been a parent, if you've ever babysat somebody, why do you tell a kid to be Obedient, number of reasons, right? You want them to be safe, perhaps. Um, occasionally, you just don't want to look bad It's the babysitter or the parent, right? Okay. But mostly because you believe you know what's best for them and you can see a little further down the road than they can to tell what's going to be best for them. Okay. We correct the two-year-old, not just because their behavior is wrong at two, At two, let's be real, the little punching each other thing, it's kind of cute. At 12, it's not so cute. At 22, you end up on cops. Like, we would prefer for our children to not end up on cops, so we teach them at two not to punch each other. That is how everybody thinks through their parenting, right? Like, just don't end up on cops. No? Okay. Anyway, we'll keep moving. Um, Yep. Okay. (laughs) I got a couple amens. Excellent. Uh... We, we teach kids because we go, you know, I'm a few miles ahead of you on this journey of life, and, and I just, I've just i seen some things that, that I would like you to avoid, lessons I may have learned the hard way that I would like for uh, you to not have to learn the hard way, uh, situations I have found myself in that I would like you to not find yourself in. And so if I can teach you, especially when you're young and the consequences are fairly low stakes, how to obey and what directions to follow and how to behave, then 10, 20, 30 years down the road, when the stakes are significantly higher, my hope is, as a parent, you will have learned that lesson the easier way, because whatever kids think, learning things from their parents is the easier way than learning them from the rest of the world, and I believe that I know what's best for you and so I want to see you step into these things that are best for you. Now, as parents, we may get this wrong. We may not actually know what's best for our children, or the things that we get all caught up in trying to get them to obey, maybe you're not the right things to get fixated on. Some of you have kids uh, who you have have done the fully raising them thing and there are some things that you would like to do different. Uh, I'm I'm about halfway to fully raising them and there are some things that I would like to do differently. I wish we had done differently and and we haven't even gotten to the serious consequences yet. We're we're mistake-prone people, even maybe especially as parents. God is not... (laughs) God knows what is best for us. He's more than just a few miles ahead of us on this journey, being outside of time and space. And he would like us to obey because he said, look, here are the rules. Here's the boundaries. Here's the directions for how to live a good and flourishing and beautiful life. And if you will go down this path, I know that you will get to step into, and I want you to because I love you. I want you to step into this path that leads to a beautiful, flourishing life. And we can buck against it because it feels limiting in some way, but he's like, look, th- this is the way for the flourishing, wonderful, beautiful, loving life that I created for you. So with all of that in mind, God's love for you, his grace for us as we stumble along this path and fall so short of being holy. With all of that in mind, I want to read these verses again. So we're not thinking about earning things as we read through this. We're thinking through God's grace. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy okay so why does God say you must be holy when God knows as well as better than any of us that we are very much not holy Um, if you walked in here this morning and that's news for you that you're not holy and perfect we can talk afterwards we'll chat Um, I know a nice padded room for you it'll be great I uh, we know, we know that we're not perfect. God knows we're not perfect. Not a one of us. Why would God give us a command that we clearly can't fulfill? Why is God saying you should be holy? There are multiple reasons for this. Perhaps the craziest to me, in my opinion, is that God has tied his reputation to us. God God has tied his reputation in the world to us. And we'll talk more in a couple weeks about how we are to represent God in this world. But for today, I just want to ponder the question of why we represent God. What makes it true that we represent God? And the answer is because he has Claimed us. He's claimed you as his children. He's he's said, I will be your father. It's, It's actually theologically and biblically inaccurate to say that everybody on earth is a child of God, not actually what scripture teaches. Everybody on earth is a creation of God, made in the image of God and therefore immeasurably, pricelessly valuable. But this designation of children of God is actually reserved for those who follow Jesus, who follow the Son of God, who have been brought into God's family as brothers and sisters of Christ. It's to us that God gives permission to call him Father. But Being a a child means bearing the the weight of the name. It it means some responsibility to to carry your family with you. Uh, Last Saturday night, uh, somebody who uh, will remain nameless for just a couple of seconds uh, shared a story. Well, I can't tell the story without it. So (laughs) shared a story with us uh, about this time when his kid's Uh, who are now nearly grown, were much, much younger, and were not behaving particularly well in the grocery store. Some of you know the drill, the screaming, the yelling at each other, the pulling things off the shelf and sticking them in the cart. You know, the grocery store drill. And they're doing all this stuff, and he at some point pulls them into an aisle with nobody else in it, and he kneels down in front of his two kids, and he says, Guys, we are Milligans. We don't act like this. And proceeded to tell them, that they weren't going to treat each other that way, and we weren't gonna behave this way. For him, more about how they were engaging with one another than how they were showing off in, in the store. But there is something to this idea of, in a healthy family, we represent our family. Wherever we go, we carry that name. In a healthy family, we love and care for one another. We represent our family. And God has given his reputation to us. Peter's quoting here, be holy because I am holy. And he's he's quoting from an Old Testament passage where God is telling the entire nation of Israel, hey, you represent me in this world because it is through you that I'm going to bless the world. And he now tells the church through Peter, you now represent me In the world, you represent my character, my integrity, my love, my grace. So be holy, not so that we're earning something, but but to represent him. Verse uh, 17 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And remember that the heavenly father, there's that word again, the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites, he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Put a pin in those last couple of words. We'll come back to them in just a second. All of the obedience God asks for isn't intended to build up his kindness towards you or to earn his favor in some way. He plays no favorites. Whether you call him father or not, his justice is steadfast and consistent and for everyone. This is um, maybe a, a news flash to some of us. Probably not most of us. Most of us know this intrinsically in our heads. We've, we've been around church maybe long enough that we understand this next statement to be true, but our lives don't always reflect it you will not wow God into loving you more. You won't impress him into loving you more, not more than the person sitting next to you, not more than the greatest sinner on earth, not more than he loves you right now because it's not possible to love you more than he loves you right now as you are. Obedience to God It's not a transaction. It's not an exchange of our obedience for his love. Obedience to God is a relationship. Obedience to God is not a transaction. It's a relationship. And it's couched here in relationship, familial words. He's your father. He already loves you. What he is asking for from you as your loving father is to trust that he knows what's best for you. Now, I know some of you have had dads where you grew up constantly trying to earn your dad's affection or attention. And he made you earn it. You worked hard for it and he never could quite get it. That is not your heavenly father. He's not asking you to be in the spotlight or to be the superstar or to be the captain. He knows who you are. He knows you. All the things that you hope other people see and all the things you hope nobody else sees. He knows you and he loves you as you are. Are. In all of your ordinary and extraordinary and everyday, average and unique and different ways, He loves you. That is the good news that Jesus brought us in His life and His ministry and demonstrated for us in His death and resurrection. Before we go too much further, I I do wanna talk about this phrase, temporary residence. What Peter means here to the people he's writing to and to us is that this is not your home. As we said last week, there are so many empty and unfulfilling rewards in this life that have nothing to do with the priorities and the character of God. But through Jesus, we have this reward in eternity that is undefiled and undecayed. And this world is simply a temporary home for the eternal life that you are already living. That if you have stepped into life of following Jesus, that promise of Jesus that you are born again, that you have a new life, That life has already begun. This is simply a temporary home for it. The life you're living does not belong to this world. It belongs to the God who made you and who claimed you as his child through Jesus. God has paved the way for you to live forever with him, your your loving heavenly father. And, And here's how, and I know some of you know this story, but let's remember this truth together. Verse 18 of 1 Peter 1. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. A ransom paid with precious eternal blood, not not the temporary valuables of this world. A ransom paid to give temporary residence like us, an eternal home. (laughs) So what does this have to do with our holiness, this ransom that God paid through Jesus? First, it has everything to do with our lack of holiness, with how far short of holy we fall, that God has set this standard for what is good and just and holy. And he said, this is what it will look like to, to love others to flourish in life, to represent me well. And we've hurt others, and we've hurt ourselves, and we've turned away from God's best way for us. We've turned away from him. And as we all know, because we've all been hurt by other people, where there is hurt, then there's a cost to that hurt the unjust things that we do carry a cost. When when unjust things happen, then then something else has to happen to to rebalance the the proverbial scales of justice. And we call that rebalancing either consequences or forgiveness. And again, we, we see this even in how we treat our children There's there's either forgiveness or there's, there's consequences, right? We're trying to rebalance the mark, the hole that something unjust or wrong has created. We all deserve consequences for the unjust things that we have done. But God, the only truly just one, has offered us forgiveness instead. Now, our actions have created a debt, right? There's this cost that has to be dealt with either through forgiveness or consequences. And a debt has to be paid. Always. Think about it this way. If you owe money to the bank... And for the sake of this little exercise, let's just pretend interest doesn't exist because that complicates things. And let's be real, we'd all like to pretend interest doesn't exist. So we'll just pretend that for a little exercise. Imagine you owe money to the bank. Now the bank could forgive that loan. You don't have to pay any more of it back. You're, You're free to go. But that doesn't mean that debt goes away. It just means the bank absorbs it that they pay it, essentially. That there was money that was owed to them and they absorb that debt so that you don't have to pay it. In our case, Jesus absorbed the debt. In our unholy and unjust actions, we're participating in this curse on the world that scripture calls sin, which is just a term for missing the mark. Our hurting of others is participating in that curse that is on God's creation. And the most painful consequence of this curse is death. A world that that God made for flourishing and everlasting life now has this sting of death entwined in it. And that's the cost then that needed to be paid. That's the consequence that needed to be felt, absorbed so that we could be forgiven. And Jesus paid it for us. Jesus submitted to death so that when we come to the end of our life as temporary residents, that we have a hope for what is beyond that. Jesus took down this enemy of death that we could not take down. And we keep trying, we keep trying to extend life in our temporary residency as long as we can. And we can't beat it. So Jesus did for us. This ransom has everything to do with our lack of holiness, but it also has everything to do with God's call for us to be holy. Because in his grace, he paid the debt for our sins, our mistakes, once and forever for all the sins that you've done in the past and and all the sins still to come in your life. And yet there is still this standard of holiness that he calls us to. A, A call to obey because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. To me, this is part of the This is one of the beautiful parts of the story of Jesus, that we don't just celebrate his death and resurrection, although those are certainly worth celebrating, and we do. But we also celebrate a life that showed us the way of obedience, that shows us how to live. This is what Peter writes in verse 21, of 1 Peter chapter one. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. We've been talking about God's call for us over the last couple of weeks to be everyday people, not the superstars or in the spotlight or the team captain, but everyday people loved by God who are following Jesus Every day. Last week, we talked about how a healthy following means that you trust the one that you're following. That in a healthy leader-follower relationship, you trust the vision of the one in front to get you where you're going. So faith is trusting the vision of God over what you see. It's trusting the vision of God over what you see, because what you see is the stuff right in front of you. What you see is the pain that you want to see go away as quickly as possible. What you can't see is the stuff miles down the road that God knows is coming and wants to prepare you for. The work that God is doing in your life, the growth that he is doing in your character. And we trust him to lead us because of the love and the power he demonstrated through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And we talked about how following means you spend time with. It's a with activity. That it means learning from, being shaped by the one that you're following. It means imitating in your actions and in your relationships the one you follow. And as we follow Jesus, we learn to imitate him in both character and in action. And the truth is that holiness is the greatest imitation of Jesus. If we want God to grow our character, to be more like Jesus, because that's the one we're following, we want to follow in Jesus' footsteps. We want to imitate him in our lives. Holiness is then the greatest imitation of the sinless spotless lamb of god so for me uh, this brings me full circle because now i'm back to okay I have to be holy to imitate Jesus. I know I'm supposed to imitate Jesus. I have to be holy to do it. So here we go. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to man up. I'm going to do all the things right all the time. I'm going to earn this. I'm going to make sure I'm the greatest imitator of Jesus there ever darn was. And now I'm trying to earn again and work for it again. And, and we'll talk about self-discipline and learning the example of Jesus better uh, next week. But let's not forget who makes us holy and how. Verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Peter uses an interesting word here. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Not not when you believed, which is the word we would expect in the 21st century. Well, we just need we need to believe it, right? Like you 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 got to say, "Yes, Jesus, I believe that you did X, Y, and Z." Not not belief like, "Sure, I guess I'll buy that. That makes sense." Not not belief like, "Well, the really cute girl at church camp says I should believe this stuff, so I will." None of that stuff. Obeyed the truth. Maybe even better said, submitted to what is true. You were cleansed from your sins when you submitted to what is true. When you said, God, your holiness is true. My lack of holiness is true. God, your love is true. the ransom paid by Jesus is true. That is the true reality. Not the things my eyes see in my temporary home. God's holiness, my lack, Jesus paid the ransom. So how do we demonstrate that we have submitted to the truth? By our obedience to God and by loving one another, loving each other as Jesus has loved us with sacrifice and forgiveness, pursuing holiness together. Since people first gathered for what we would call church, we've been celebrating what what we call communion. also known as the Lord's Supper because Jesus commanded us to remember his sacrifice in this way, to take bread and remember his body broken in love, to drink juice and remember his blood that paid our ransom. It's it's our communing, our identifying with our savior. It's also our communing with each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. Remembering that no matter our differences, we are all in need of forgiveness. That we are all loved, ransomed, temporary residents. And that whatever we hold against each other pales in comparison to the grace of eternity so we're going to do that now we're going to take communion together and then afterwards I'll finish up with a few more thoughts from Peter's letter You, you are all welcome to take communion you don't have to be a member of East Hills to do that we just ask that it means something to you that you have submitted to this truth in some way that you believe that Jesus died to ransom you. We're gonna have you, I'm gonna move this in just a second. We're gonna have you come up this aisle. So I'm gonna invite Allie and and Corbin to come forward. Um, We're gonna have you come up this aisle uh, and take the elements uh, from them, and then go have a seat, go back to your seat uh, this way, and then uh, we will all uh, take together Uh, in in just a few moments. Uh, Again, if uh, you need a gluten-free option, uh, there's one on the table in the back. Uh, Let me pray for us as we enter into this time. Father God, we are grateful for the way you showed your love through Jesus. And we come to submit to what is true, that your holiness, that Jesus' sacrifice, that our need of you and of him is true. Thank you for the ways you have showed your love to us. God, we want to honor you for that, by how we love you and love each other. Would you meet with us, each of us, all of us, in this time? In your name, amen. At Jesus's last dinner, he got his friends together. He knew he was going to die the next day. They didn't know what was going on. And he took bread and he broke it and he passed it around. He said, every time you eat this, remember me and my body broken for you. So let's eat and remember the body broken for us. And then he passed around the wine. And he said, every time you drink this, remember my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So let's drink and remember the ransom paid for us. I should do that. There is a really important part two to this story of Jesus's death to pay our ransom. Uh, And that would be the fact that God raised him from the dead. (laughs) Significant part of this story. What that means for us is not just that we're saved from death, but that we are given that new life we've been talking about that we've stepped into this eternal life with an eternal residence just passing through this world and this life. Peter puts it this way. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass, Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. Hence the temporary resident part. We know this part. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, when we talk about the word of God, most often we're talking about this Book, And we will talk about the importance of this book in our daily lives next week. But Peter is likely not talking about this book. We can see from some things his friend John wrote that Jesus was also known as the word of God, God with breath. Jesus is the good news that was preached to them. And it is through Jesus that we have this eternal life. Jesus, who is our example to imitate, our example of obedience and faith. And through him and his resurrection, we have been born again into a new eternal life. So how are we to live if we are living a new eternal life every day? Tuesday morning at school, Wednesday night at the game, Saturday morning when you're up early for who knows what reason. Holiness is our new life on display. Holiness is how we display that we are new, that we've been given a new life, a life that doesn't point to how awesome we are, but to how awesome and I mean that in the best definition of that term, how awesome the gift of grace and new life is and how awesome, awe-inspiring that gift giver is. A life that points to how great a difference Jesus can make in the life of everyday people as we follow him every day. So as we seek to do that, I want to pray for us as the worship team comes back up. Father God, I ask that you would keep our forgiveness, your grace, the ransom paid on our minds, on our hearts, in our vision, every day this week. That we would remember that every day that we wake up is an opportunity to represent you, an opportunity to love others made in your image, an opportunity to live a new life, an opportunity to put your grace on display and what it has done for us, to worship you in in how we live and how we obey and how we love, Father, God, would you remind us that we are your children first. Whatever else we are as temporary residents, you have claimed us, adopted us in your love as your kids. Would you empower us, motivate us, encourage us to live out that love every day? In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.